On today's show, let's get into Darius Garland, who is on his way back. Anticipation is building. What does it look like? How weird is his injury? Let's dive into it. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Visit FanDuel.com backslash LockedOn today to get started. I'm Chris Manning. That is Evan Damrell. This is the Lockdown Cavs podcast, your team every day. Thanks again to Jake Stevens, as always, for his work on production. We're all about Darius Garland today. His injury, the recovery, what we know about that, what kind of season he was having before he had to miss a month plus with a jaw fracture, and then where can he go when he gets back? How does he fit in to the way the Cavs have played during their 10-3 and run while he's out? But Evan, let's just start with the injury, and I got to tell you, A, it's just weird, but weirdly, and I, it's, it's Darius Garland being a NBA player who has this jaw shoe feels kind of... Not right, because it's not right, but it feels kind of like, of course, this would happen to the guy who last year got whacked in the face all the time. I mean, yeah, Um, I think it's kind of indicative just of Darius Garland's NBA career in general. He's always had these weird random injuries that kind of seem out of nowhere, whether it's the lacerated um, or not the laceration, but the bruise in his eye last year that. Uh, swelled shut and like he couldn't see out of the left side of his eye for a really long time and it was hard for him to practice because he's seen double or just you know half of things at times or this year at the broken jaw or just the random aches and pains and bumps bumps and bruises and I think you know part of it is just how Garland plays he's incredibly physical despite maybe the limitations that come with his size and just you know the lack of just overall weight comparatively to some of the players that he suffered these injuries with Sure, some of them are just straight up freak accidents like the eye injury and then the continuous eye pokes after that kind of felt like just continuous wallops because people are, you know, more focused and hypersensitive to it after the first time he was ruled out with it. But yeah, this jaw stuff, like it was just him trying to make a hustle play and he unfortunately collided with the hip of Kristaps Porzingis and he didn't spit up any blood, but he apparently had a cup of blood that he was spitting into uh, post game in the locker room after that loss. And then the news broke almost immediately after he was undergoing surgery to, uh, getting worked on and then he uh, recovered through the wire and now that the wire is removed as we discussed uh, recently um, yeah like it's just you know just kind of a waiting game or kind of in a holding pattern now and just kind of have to wait to see when he can be cleared to get back on the court and BGV Bakerstaff probably has like a list of prerequisites for him to get back out there the most being just like is he able to practice in full but yeah it just it could kind of to go back to your point like it of all guys on the Cavs team to have this happen to, it makes sense for him just because he always seems to get the most random of injuries. And this is just also just such a weird return, right? Like this is just going to feel, I think just what he looks like is going to be really interesting. Cause it's, it's just, well, you different. hope he still you know, he looks like Darius Garland, but well, but I just mean, I don't mean it in that sense of like what he looks like or, or not like he is what he is as a player. He is going to, play a certain way that's just who he is what he's about 
but I feel like it's just such an interesting physical recovery in the sense of we know that he hasn't he hasn't able to eat physical food for a while and it was on like a liquid diet and it was hard for him to work out and now he's at the point where he's getting in pregame workouts right before opening tip if you ever go to the nba game and a player on it on a on the home team is going to get a workout in you can see them oftentimes working up right up until they clear off the court for the national anthem that's what garland has done the last two Cavs home games um at least the ones in cleveland i don't know if he did that in paris or not so like he's at that stage so he's getting back to it but it's obviously just gonna like it wouldn't shock me if to ease him into things he plays 20 minutes in his first game just to be like hey you haven't like you, you had a really weird thing where you couldn't exercise and eat real food. Really, let's just have you play twenty minutes. We'll ease you into it. We'll figure it out, and you scale him up to his normal thirty, thirty-two, thirty-three minutes, thirty-five mm-hmm. minutes, whatever it's going to be over this over the the course of a week or two. Yeah, and I think that's just the best way to go about it in general because you want to make sure, like, he's doing all right out there, and also like you don't want to burn him or run him back ground because one you would avoid any possible opportunity of him either re-injuring the jaw injury somehow or just aggravating an injury elsewhere and also we'll talk about this more on in the third segment when just like what to expect when he comes back to the floor but like there is going to be a bit of an acclimation process because the Cavs are rolling quite a bit without Garland and Mobley out there they are 10 and 3 in these 13 games without the two um Donovan Mitchell is really starting to show a lot of that rust and shine that um the rust, the lack of shine, rather, uh, before, well, rather while dealing with those hamstring injuries. But yeah, like, we'll, we'll see how it goes. And I think just taking it bit by bit, minute by minute, maybe finding opportunities to let him run on the floor in general, just to find his footing back out there and kind of shake off that rust that he probably is going to have for the first few games and then just kind of keep moving from there. Is there any part of Garland, Evan, that you look at and say, this is what they've missed with him? This is where they where they've missed his presence over this this run while he's been out um i think just the overall control at times this offense sometimes lacks it's really evident when ever donovan mitchell sits especially in their latest game against chicago like there's moments when mitchell was out and the Cavs just really looked a little bit haphazard on offense and those are the moments you really need garland just because he does have such a cerebral ability to make plays and opportunities for others on the floor and also just get shots off, at least from the point guard position that Craig Porter Jr. is just incapable of doing of, just because Craig Porter Jr. isn't the three-point shooter Darius Garland ever will be. But um, more than that, it's just like, yeah, sometimes it's just like the, the offense kind of gets a little haphazard and crazy, and I think that's why you see them leaning on Donovan Mitchell and to an extent, Karis Levert so heavily at times. And I think just having that extra primary ball handler is something they've been missing. And also just the offense does look fundamentally different when Darius Garland is out on the floor. We'll talk about I'll talk about that more rather um in the upcoming segment, but um or what I mean by that, but it's just it's obviously just different without him out there. The Cavs have had to adapt to their situation given their personnel, and it's much different than how Darius Garland left. Yeah, I think control is a really good way to describe it. There's just a, it's a little bit of a different feel not having a traditional point guard to really lean on. And if you're not playing Craig Porter Jr., then you're in a situation where like you just aren't playing someone like that. And that there's there's been some obviously positives to it. There's been some things that have really worked, but there obviously have been things that haven't. All right, after this, 
let's get into Darius Garland. What kind of season he was having before he went out? A little spoiler alert. Hasn't been a great one for Darius. If you look at the numbers, you look at, I think, how he was playing. It wasn't the best version of Darius before the injury. We'll talk about that after this. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp it can help you hit your goals, hit your resolutions this year. Around New Year's, we get obsessed with how to change things instead of just expanding on what we're already doing right. Maybe you find the organized part of your space and you want to tackle another. Or maybe you're taking supplements every morning and now you want to actually eat breakfast too. Therapy helps you find your strengths. You can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online. It is designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made. I'm a regular therapy goer. It can be a great, great tool as you're working on yourself and thinking about the best version of you in the new year. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked in MBA and get 10% off your first month. That's better com slash locked on NBA. Today's episode is also brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL regular season is over. The playoffs are ongoing now, but there is time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets with any when you place a five dollar money line bet. That is a hundred and fifty bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. It's the really easy to use app. There's so many different ways to bet, like live saving game parlays. You can find bets in the Explore tab, make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, which is the best way to find parlays, and much, much more. They'll have Cavs, Bucks odds. They'll have both Cavs, Bucks odds for all the upcoming games. They'll have Cavs, Hawks odds this weekend as well. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and make your first bet a layup. That is FanDuel, official partner of the NFL, and that's the official sportsbook of LockedOn again. That is $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 Moneyline bet, win or lose. Evan, when I ask you, Darius Garland, the season he was having before his injury, what, what kind of season do you think he was having? A little up and down, a little topsy-turvy. I think, surprisingly, he and Donovan Mitchell were kind of struggling to gel at times on the floor together. Um, there were people, myself included, I think you as well, who really noted that when Mitchell was out, it was just Garland running the entire show on offense. Um, the Cavs just had like a different cadence and rhythm to them offensively. And as I alluded to last segment, like control is a good way to put it. And then when the games, when Garland was out due to the nagging injuries he was dealing with to start of the season, um, the offense just looked a lot different with Mitchell because I think they tried to run a lot of the similar things, a lot of heavy pick and roll stuff, a lot of a lot of a lot of attacks at the basket. I think George Niang not being comfortable or maybe Max Strews kind of still finding his footing within this team or just this, this Cavs team maybe not just kind of being fully healthy to start the year certainly uh, is a weird comparison just when looking at how they're playing now with Mitchell running the point. But I think that's what I really stuck out to me is just like Mitt, or Garland was up and down just because he was in the rotation, out of the rotation, whether it's just like injuries or illness or anything in between. Um, the most recent being this jaw fracture and then the surgery after it but 
I'm curious to see what they look like now that they're kind of hitting their stride a little bit and things are gelling and clicking quite a bit for the Cavs. And just because based on what we saw before um, Garland was out for such a long time, 13 games and counting now, but um, things felt like they were starting to turn the corner between him and Mitchell. Like I felt like they were trying to find that footing that they had last year, at least that comfortability they had with each other out there on the floor so they could coexist. And I'm curious to see if they can pick up where they let off, left off and just kind of continue building on that. Or is there going to be maybe some growing pains as J.B. Bakerstaff and others have made it pretty clear, like they're hoping that like Mitchell or sorry, not Mitchell, uh, Mobley and Garland, since the focus of this episode can adapt to this new style of play and kind of accentuate it and just kind of fit in instead of fit out and maybe going back to how they looked earlier this season. I think if I look at Garland's year, there's two things to me that that stand out. Number one is turnovers were up a career high 3.8 versus just 5.9 assists. This was not the Darius Garland that I think is the best version of him where he is in control of the basketball. He is careful. He is the best decision maker on the floor for Cleveland. That was not the guy you got for 20 games. For whatever reason, that guy wasn't there. I think that's that's number one. The other part of this is, I think, three-point shooting. His attempts were down to 5.2 a game. He was at 6.7 his all-star season, and it was at four. It was at 6 last year, at 41% last year. To me, Evan, that has always been the, the, the scoring leap for him as, as, as a shooter. I understand, you know, he's, had a, he's having a really good mark from twos this year. Okay, that's, that's something. There's something there in the idea that he is evolving maybe in in wherever that's going to look like maybe he maybe it's intentional on their part to say we need someone to put some more pressure on defense at the time do want you to do it Darius okay but I think Darius's offensive evolution as a scorer has always been about three-point shooting and pull-ups and in and, and finding ways to be dynamic in ways that are not just the occasional three or getting to the rim and and trying to to draw some fouls which is not something he does a lot of I think for Darius three-point volume should be a big part of his offensive game in addition to him taking care of the ball. Those are two things where it just wasn't the Darius that I think is the best version of Darius in, in the way that he had played based on just those two indicators. Yeah. Um, to your point, like it is weird just because I think that is usually one of the more bigger knocks against Garland at times is he sometimes isn't selfish enough or at least selfish enough on the perimeter to kind of like throw up some shots or maybe just rip it at times where we, yeah, I mean, I don't know. He, he, you could easily make the argument. He's the best three point shooter on the Cavs outside of maybe Max Struess just in terms of pure volume. But like Garland doesn't have that volume compared to what like Struess is able to give Cleveland or just what Struess has given in his career. And it can be a point of frustration for some people just because you see Garland get these really nice looks on the perimeter and, Either he's passing it because he is sometimes too selfless to a fault, or he uh, would rather blow past a closeout and try and attack the basket, draw contact and get to the line, or maybe find an easy look on the interior, whether that's a floater or a layup of his own, or just a dump off to a teammate in the paint. But yeah, like that, 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 that is an interesting stat. Like the Cavs maybe did tell him internally, like, we want you to po- apply more pressure to the basket. We noted this at media day, like, he was looking bulkier, a lot more like muscular in his upper body. So like it, it, at least to me, that was kind of an indicator like, okay, he's trying to maybe add some mass to his frame so he can handle more physicality and contact inside. And it it's shown because like he did have, he does have a knack for getting to the line most nights, but you would like him to kind of maybe find that happy medium or balance where he is able to 
hurt defenses from all over the floor, not just in the mid-range or on the interior, and you just want him to take that step back and just get three points instead of two on some of those attempts. And even if he doesn't make them, you'd rather him just keep shooting to kind of find his groove and rhythm. And I wonder with how Cleveland's playing now, um, does Garland kind of fall in line with that and just become one of those guys that really have been moving the needle or just kind of helps moving the needle of this like overwhelming three-point attack the Cavs have been rolling with lately? I, I just kind of think the way they're playing, even if there's going to be some differences for him, I think it should fit him. This will kind of indicate, this kind of gets us more towards segment three, but Evan, if I think about Darius and like what I think he's really good at and what I think how he how you can make him and Donovan work a little, however better, whatever it is, I think it is just like three-point shooting. And also, if you're kind of, if you're going to tell me a story about how he could turn around the the assist stuff and the turnover issues, which again, his turnovers are up and his turnover percentage is up and it's as bad as it has been. Uh, bottom 5% of point guards this year in terms of turnover percentage and a pretty low assist um, usage ratio. That, that All that's the, bad. The other big knock is just like he was been very careless with the ball at times, but... And that's not that's there. Kind of something not that's kind of something that's that that sometimes been a stain of on him. Like even last season, like there was games where like he would have a lot of assists, even if he put up a lot of turnovers, and like he would say the same thing then as he would now. Like he's comfortable turning the ball over if it just is an indicator that they're being aggressive on offense, not being like careless or passive on offense. Which, like I said with him in the first segment, like he is very aggressive as a player when he's on the floor, especially when the ball is in his hands. He's also just I think he's right about that. When you're when you're someone like him who has a high usage rate and who is gonna you're you're gonna turn the ball over. It is inevitable, it is part of the game. His all star season he had a, a use a, a turnover rate of fourteen point five percent. That was up near it was like twenty five near the bottom twenty five percent of point guards league, but he he was assisting at nearly forty percent of possessions. That's unbelievable. His turnover ratio, his usage ratio was awesome. Last year, dipped a little bit with Mitchell and So, obviously, but he turned the ball over less last year as a, a percentage of his thing. And this year, this then it is as bad as it was as a rookie. But if you're going to tell me that there's a way he comes back and is additive to the way they're shooting and he gets easier, he's creating easier assists and easier shots for their guys, I, I could absolutely buy that that's a way he turns around the passing. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I think also just like he's such a good playmaker and talented ball handler that you would assume that the assist numbers go up, especially now that role players, especially whether it's Struess or Niang or Merrill, if he gets spot minutes or um, even like Dean Wade, if he still is in the rotation when things roll around or Niang, um, like there's a lot of guys all over the floor, whether it's on the interior or on the outside. And even Jared Allen and Donovan Mitchell are playing really well, too, like there are a lot of ready and willing guys to receive passes from Darius Garland to get them cleaner looks at the bucket. And I think that's something that has been understated is just like sometimes the Cavs have thrown up a lot of shots and I think the, the, the quantity is more smothering than the quality of maybe some of the attempts Cleveland is putting off without Garland on the floor. And I think that kind of you'll get more of that quantity, but I think there'll be more high quality looks because you just have such a talented playmaker in Garland. And yeah, like, 
I, I think with the benefit of not having him out there is you're asking other guys to step up and they get comfortable. And at least you hope, like, with a guy who's talented as he is as a playmaker, like, it's a hand-in-glove thing where, like, he can play off of that and just rack up clean assists. Sure, there'll be turnovers and things like that because you and I agree, I agree with you. Like, I think that is the right approach to have as long as, like, the turnovers aren't a result of being careless and passive and you're just trying to maximize every opportunity on offense. Like, yeah, I think you can swallow those pills, but the assist numbers should naturally go up because people are finding their groove without him and then having someone as talented as him out there is just going to kind of make a hand and glove fit for that offensive scheme they're running. Coming up next, where can Darius go from here? How can he get better? We hit on this a little bit, but we're going to get into the weeds just a little bit more with Darius, specifically on the play style. And one thing I think he can do better, that is, I think, one of the weaknesses in his game overall. We'll talk about that after this. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. I know we come to sports to escape from the crazy realities of real life, but can we just talk for a minute about how about preparing for real life? According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. This is scary. I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than if someone in my life, a niece or nephew, a relative, or anyone really out there got sick while a supply chain issue kept them from getting the life-saving medication they needed. Thankfully, we'll be okay because of Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial infections, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, among others. This stuff could happen to any of us. So visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It has never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use offer code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your order. So, I mean, I think one way Darius can improve on top of kind of what we've already hit on once he gets back, because mm-hmm. I do think off-ball Darius Garland has been waiting to be... He needs to move more. He needs to be someone that's just a little bit more dynamic off the ball. That is not the way the Cavs have really wanted to play with anyone in a lot of ways. Struess and Merrill are kind of the only guys that really get moving in that specific way. But Garland just being someone who could do a little more in that way strikes me as a way to get him some cleaner looks, strikes me as a way to get him the kind of three-point looks we're talking about him and maybe up the volume in that way. And, and I think it adds to how him and Donovan can work together. And if you're and if you're coming out of this 10-3 and three stretch and the way the Cavs offense is played and all of that, and you say, okay, we have to keep a lot of what has worked with Darius or with Donovan and the way this is going to work around him and what that has given us, this is a way Darius can, I think, be additive to that if you could push him in, in that specific direction. Yeah, I think additive is a good way to put it, especially when he's sharing the floor with Donovan Mitchell, because I would assume when Darius is back out there, minutes restriction notwithstanding, of course, but there are going to be times where maybe within the first handful of games, like one of them has a bad night or it results in like a close loss, but the other one, like clearly there's like just a little bit of friction as they're trying to kind of figure out how to play off of one another within this new system or just like this new approach the Cavs are trying to utilize and maybe try and take a little bit of what was good from last year and early in the season and apply it to what has really been working now. But yeah, off-ball Garland is certainly a way to do it just because 
with the offense being so heliocentric to Mitchell lately, like you're seeing a ton of success. They're 10 and three. They're one of the top assist teams and overall offensive teams in the league currently, at least in the last 13 games. Um, and that's certainly just interesting to kind of keep tabs on. And I think there's a way to make it work. And him playing off ball is a good way to make it easier. I, I absolutely agree. And for me, like I said, I think there's going to be opportunities because like you, you saw it against the Bulls the other night, like when Mitchell said that the Cavs kind of started to fall apart a little bit. Um, you can afford to sit down and Mitchell Moore and not run him into the ground. And then even in those limited runs that Darius will probably get, there's going to be opportunities for him just to be the de facto ball handler on the floor. And you surround him with shooting uh, interior lob threats and just kind of like pick and choose like what kind of lineups you're going to roll with him just to kind of get him back into like he'll be in playing shape to go out there and play for the Cavs. But like there's a difference between playing shape and being in like actual in-game shape. And like it requires you kind of shaking. And by that, I mean like shaking off the rust of just like finding people in the right spots again and kind of figuring out the flow of these teammates and these guys that you do have familiarity with, but there is going to be a little bit of a pickup just because they've been playing without you for a handful of games now. So for me, I think it's a little bit of a balance of both. Like when you have him and Mitchell on the floor together, even like him and Levert or something like that, like, yeah, do a lot of off ball Garland, like make him work, make him run through screens, run plays to get him clean looks on the perimeter, especially with this new three point heavy approach you have. Um, and then just whenever Mitchell sits or like you just want to run a solo Garland lineup as like the de facto ball handle, like that's another good way to kind of get him comfortable and mm-hmm. just keep figuring out like the overall fit with this new scheme the Cavs are rolling with. Well, and, and if you want to also, I think, have him be the guy who's like setting up, if you're going to like play Sam Merrill, have him be a guy who sets up Sam Merrill shot attempts. Like just play all the, you can keep just playing all the shooters. Just keep all of them on the floor if you want to there. It's like that's a, you could just say, okay, it's we we ran Donovan and Jarrett, and while until Evans back, we're gonna have Darius and some Tristan minutes, and then three shooters, and pick pick your shooters. You could do it, and it's like you can. It's got, there's obviously gonna be some adjustment, but I think that let me ask one on this question that just occurred to me now. Would you say, Evan, I, I think this is where I go. I think integrating Darius back into the style of play is going to be easier, even if there are some moments where it, it there's some adjustment, then it will be to bring back Evan Mobley and play this way. Yeah. Do you agree I, with that? Oh, absolutely. I think offensively, the way the Cavs operate, like there's going to be some growing pains, I think, just because it's to be expected with a guy who's been out since the end of 2023 and probably won't be back until late January. Like that's a solid almost month off Garland has had. Like there's going to be a little bit of a curve there, but give it a game or two, maybe five tops and it'll seem like a seamless fit, especially like you said, if you play him off ball a lot, like if you run like, um, like hammer plays or fist plays, or even just like the elevator door plays, like the Spurs used to run with like the, the Kawhi era with like pop with, um, Manu and um, Timmy and Tony and stuff like there's a lot of clean ways the Cavs can utilize what they have especially with Allen just being so rock solid and like kind of being very physical like he's setting some pretty solid screens lately like let Garland just be that movement shooter kind of similar to like what Max Struess kind of gives the Cavs at times and really just stretch this offense out further and I think once he starts seeing the ball go in on a regular basis it's just all going to be easy peasy after that. We're going to end there. I'm Chris Manning. That is Evan Demerol. Back at you after Cavs Bucks. 
Big one in Cleveland. Don't suspect we're going to see Darius just yet he's for out. that one. Yeah, he's listed as out on the injury report. Uh, so he is not back as of yet, but it's coming. The anticipation builds. We'll talk about his actual return when it happens. But Cavs Bucks tomorrow, we'll recap that here. Unlocked on Cavs, back with more later this week. Enjoy your weekend, everyone. Have a great rest of the